welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, good morning, friends. So good to be with you. Uh, my name is Mike, if we haven't met, but I'm guessing if you're tuning in, you've probably been around Awaken, so hi to you. Uh, good, to, good to see you. Um, a couple things we want to let you know about before we get jump, we jump into this morning's teaching, and that is um, there are uh, some, well, there's ways for you to, to let us know that you were here. Um, if you go online to our website, awakenwest7th.com, there's an I'm new button. You can click that if you are new. Let us know that you've joined, and um, uh, online as well, there are plenty of ways you can give uh, tithes and offerings. We're grateful for both of those gifts, so um, send, us, send us those things, and somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice. We can get to know you, and you can get to know us. Uh, a few things happening we want to let you know about. There's an artist mingle happening on October the 5th at 7 p.m., so that's a monthly gathering that happens to, for the creative folks around here and among us. You can join in on that. There is a family day out on October the 7th. That is at 10 a.m. to 12, and that's at Waldock Farm Pumpkin Patch. So a good fall outing for you families if you want to join for that. A couple things I'm really excited about uh, coming up at the end of October, uh, the first of which is a sacred sites tour. So some of you went with us last year. Um, This is October 22nd from 1 to 4 p.m., a uh, fellow named Jim Bear Jacobs, uh, an indigenous leader here in the Twin Cities, advocate, speaker, writer, author, um, is leading that, and that is a, a tour of some of the sacred sites in, um, in our city, uh, actually right here at the confluence of the Minnesota and the Mississippi. So Jim Bear will lead us through that, um, a really powerful um, learning experience. So if you want to join us for that, um, sign up online. There are limited spots available, and it's $30 per person. This is a... Uh, um, what do they say, um, rain or shine event. So dress for the weather, uh, wear comfortable clothes, wear warm clothes. It's going to be late October, so we don't know what's going to happen. Um, if you need snacks or anything or water, bring all of that along and something to sit on for that sacred sites tour. Uh, right after that, following that, we're doing a learning lab. Uh, we haven't done one of these for a bit, but we've got uh, an author named Randy Woodley, who is an indigenous man uh, who lives out in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, he and his wife run Eloway Seed Company. It's a, basically an organic farm out there. And uh, he's written a number of books on really the intersection of Christianity and indigenous faith and worldview. And so Randy is going to be with us for four weeks, October 29th, November, first three weeks of November on Sunday nights from, I think it's six to eight, if I'm not mistaken. But details are in the Awaken Weekly. The sign-up is available. Um, hope you can join us for that. Obviously, that is a Zoom class. Uh, he will be um, joining us from his home in uh, Oregon, I think. Uh, so that is that. And then, of course, Trunk or Treat, October 29th. We are hosting that again, one to three. You can sign up to host a trunk, or you can help us put the event on. So hope to see you there. Uh, today, we're going to continue in our, uh, our fall series. This is a six-week series on uh, what we're calling formational targets. I have owned two homes in my life, And both of those homes, I have finished the basement in. So love to do some home reno. And that's about the the most extensive home renovations that I have done. Uh, So in the first home, it took me, it it wasn't a finished basement, but it wasn't like a total um, uh, blank slate. So there was some carpet down there and sheetrock and shelving units and whatnot. So I had to take some things out. It took me about two days to demo everything and clear it out. And then it took me about six months to put it all back together. 
Um, in the house that I'm in now, uh, it was a blank slate, really open. Uh, I took out some duct work, took about a day, and then it took me almost nine months to put it all back together. Um, you know, anybody can destroy something. Anyone can demo something. It doesn't take a lot, like a hammer and a crowbar and a little bit of energy, and you can do some serious damage. But to build something beautiful that you can live in, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother deal. Uh, it takes hard work and a plan. If you move kind of into the world of ideas, right, um, anybody can be a critic, anybody can be a skeptic, anybody can sort of tear things down and poke holes in things, but it takes intentionality and a plan to build something that is beautiful, that has integrity. And so for many of us, like, we've deconstructed faith and the boxes that we were given for God and religion and spirituality, and we've asked some questions about that. And that's a good thing, by the way. Every generation does this. Lest we think that we're going to get it right and our kids won't deconstruct what we've given them, not true. Totally not true. Um, but, you know, uh, you know when, you, when you reconstruct something, um, you want to do it uh, some, something that you can live in, something that you can breathe in, something that you can be proud of. And uh, this series is answering that question. If many of us have said, like, not that to whatever boxes or spiritual formation we were given, then this series answers then what? Uh, what are we building? What is it that we want to offer? And so the answer to that question, at least as far as I'm concerned, and what I'm offering to you all, is the formational targets of Awaken. Um, they are liturgy, listening, learning, community, impact, and pilgrimage. And so these six ideas, these six practices, are things that we're, we're offering to you as a way to uh, continue to walk in your spiritual journey and continue to grow and invest in that. And it's my hope that if you do take the time and energy and you invest in these things, that it would lead to a vibrant, and, uh, a vibrant spiritual life, one that you can live in and breathe in. If it's not that, then we're saying, how about this? Uh, listening, liturgy, listening, learning, community, impact, and pilgrimage. Now, um, today we're going to talk about Christian community, and I know that's out of order, but it's easier for me to remember three L's and then CIP. That's how my brain works, but today's the weekend of the retreat, so we wanted to talk about community, so it's out of order, I get it, but um, in each of these words and practices, we're offering like a definition, something that we think um, makes sense, something that in some ways takes out some words or, or some, some meaning that maybe we've attached to this word. We're taking some of that out and we're adding some things in. So each week I've tried to give you uh, a definition for what we mean when we say liturgy and listening. So if you remember, for review, liturgy, we're saying, is a practice of and a commitment to the, the, uh, the gathered worship of the church and our sacred rhythm of our life together. So it's committing to and practicing, like celebrating the sacraments and listening to the scriptures being taught. Uh, it's Eucharist, it's baptism, it's death and weddings and the things that we bear witness to as a sacred community. And then this rhythm that we have with our life together in terms of the calendar, right? Advent and Epiphany and Lent and Easter and so on and so forth. So this is liturgy. Uh, listening is, we talked about this last week, the quiet and internal work of the soul and heart. To, to do what? To learn to hear, consider, and act on God's voice, right? We talked about this word Shema, that it's bigger than just listening with our ears, but it's about considering what's been said and then acting on that, responding. And then also to discern the sound of your own voice and, and when it's telling you the truth and when it might not be, right? That this is actually part of what it means to be a listener and a person who's cultivating a listening heart, to learn the sound of our own voices, um, which is not always wrong, which is not inherently wicked and evil. But 
sometimes tells the truth and sometimes doesn't. So it's, it's that, that learning to discern between uh, and when, when your voice is true. So today I want to explore this idea of Christian community. And by community, I mean in light of God's relational essence and being created from it and for it, because of and by our faith in Jesus, we enter and pursue authentic relationships where we are truly known and know one another. Um, you can tell there that's a pretty dense definition, right? There's a lot there. There's a little like beginning, a little pre- prelude before we even get to it. So what I want to do is kind of use that as a roadmap today. This definition that we're using, and I want to walk through that, and I'm going to explore two different passages, um, one from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis and one from almost the very end of the Bible in the book of Hebrews. But first, before I do, let me offer a framework. This has been a helpful metaphor for me as I've thought about this teaching and, and this idea of community. Why don't you to imagine a bag of marbles on the one hand, right? You've all played with them when you were kids, baby. Uh, you shot them. I guess there's actually like a game that you can play like called marbles, you know, and you draw a circle or something and somebody flicks a marble in the middle and then you got like big ones and smaller ones and you shoot the marbles at each other and you try to knock them out. I never did that. We used them for slingshots. <laughs> You know, like wrist rockets, man, those suckers are a real, real true shot if you use marbles. But kids, don't do that. Um, I would not recommend it. But imagine a, a, a bag of marbles on the one hand, and then on the other hand, imagine a cluster of grapes. Um, so on the one hand, you have marbles, right? These are, uh, they're, they're um, individual entities. They, they all, they're very similar to one another. They all have the same shape. They're usually about the same size. They kind of look the same, but if you look closely, no two marbles are the same, a little bit like snowflakes. Um, but they are, uh, you know, they are unto themselves. They're an aggregation of individual entities. They're not really connected to, to each other. And so one marble um, doesn't necessarily affect the other marble or vice versa, right? They're sort of on their own. The, there's no common bond, I guess you could say, except for their marbleness. On the other hand, you've got grapes, right? They're about the same size as a marble. But if you look closely, grapes are like a congregation of individual entities, right? Each grape is its own grape. But if you look closer, there's like a network that brings all these grapes together. Uh, and, and this little network is attached to a vine. And in that vine, there is like one life source that is flowing through it, giving life to all the grapes. Um, and... If you, if you take the, that illustration and you think about Christian community, like how often are churches really a more like a collection of marbles than they are a congregation of grapes? Where we say, you know, we're all together and we're in this together and we're all marbles, but if you begin to tell me like what to do or how to live my life, then I'm not necessarily interested, right? Or if I don't like the music that's played here, then I'll go to another group of marbles. You know what I mean? But a group of grapes, a congregation of grapes is very different than that. You know, while I may not be close to you in the cluster, you may be on the other side of the cluster. Like, what happens to you actually means a lot to me because if there's something wrong with you on your side of the cluster of grapes, it probably has a deep, uh, it's, a, it's a sign that there's something wrong, right, inside this intricate ecosystem called a grapevine. Um, this is the metaphor I want you to hold as we think about Christian community, um, marbles and grapes. Grapes, really, not marbles. Uh, so, that's a framework. Now, let's jump into some of these passages of Scripture. We're going to start from Genesis chapter 1. Starting in verse 26, we read this. The writer of Genesis opens the Scriptures, and in verse 26, we hear, 
Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And if you jump down into the other poem of creation, Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 15, we read this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're, to eat from, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. The Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God formed the man uh, out of the ground, all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of his ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man and said, And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Maybe the first um, highlight or observation I want to make, maybe I would say it this way, from it and for it. Uh, Notice in our definition even, right, the first two lines say some pretty important things about God and the nature of God. In light of God's relational essence and being created from it and for it. I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again if you stick around long enough because people forget things that I say. Heck, I forget things that I say. And that is that early on in the story of the church, like the mothers and fathers of the church, when they were trying to think about God and what God was like and trying to give language to this this being, the infinite being we call God, they were wrestling with the question of, like, what is God? And the best they could come up with was this word, and um, it's a Greek word. Maybe you'll see it on the screen there. It's perichoresis, and it comes from two Greek words that mean like around, peri, and choreo, which means like to go or come. Uh, or, or it's where we get the word choreograph, right? To dance. So going around or the idea of a circle dance was what they pictured when they thought about God. When to describe God, they said God is in essence community. God is in essence relationality. Uh, This is an icon. Maybe you've seen this before. Uh, This is a a famous Russian iconographer. I think it's Rublev. And this is called Trinity. And in this picture, you'll notice that, like, there are three persons in the Trinity. And actually, uh, if you go, like, to see the original, you can look, like, right here in the middle. And um, there's almost, like, a discrepancy in the, the art piece. And, like, art historians argue that at one point there was a mirror on the icon. So you were the fourth person in the Trinity, which is kind of an interesting idea. But either way, this is Rublev's Trinity. And in each each of these members of the Trinity, you'll notice their heads are kind of bowed, almost in deferring or like self-deferential, self-conciliatory move or, or posture towards the other. So the idea is that in the Trinity, there is this like endless self giving, this giving of love and deference to the other, and it just kind of keeps going around and around and around, almost like a circle dance, right? Um, When we're talking about Christian community and the idea of being truly known and knowing others, what we have to begin with is this deep foundational truth that we as humans, our beginnings, like our genesis, 
it is relationship. We come from relationship. If we're made in the image of God, who is pure relationality, pure community, it's what we're made from. And it's what we're made for. If God creates us out of themselves, and that's what God is, right? We're made from community, and that's actually what we are made for. If we have no relationships as humans, if we have, um, we, we don't become more human, we become less human, actually. They've done studies about human, like children, babies, with no contact with other humans, and they actually become like animal-like. They, they fail to flourish and, and be human. Um, and I even hesitate saying we become more like animals because even the animal kingdom, right? They're relational. I mean, look at dolphins. Look at mallards. They made for life. Like, they're pals. Uh, and even you could say creation itself is this, like, gigantic network of interconnected relationships. I can't say it any stronger than we were made for community, which is why it's so euphoric when it works, right? Right? Like when you experience true connection and relationality and, and being taken in in a, in a network of humans, it's like nothing else. It, it's like it's a, there's a tuning fork in our souls. And when it gets, and, and, and community, when, it, when we experience it, it hits that and it rings true all the way down to our core. It's also why it's so devastating when it doesn't work out. Like, when you say, I'm going to give myself to this possibility because you can't have community without somebody else, so I have to actually trust you, right, the other person in, 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 the, in the relationship. And when you give yourself to that and then it doesn't work out, or you give yourself to that possibility in a group of people like the church and you get burned, it's devastating. It's, like, sometimes nearly um, irreparable, <laughs> the damage that it can cause, C.S. Lewis wrote, wrote about this moment when we give ourselves to community and the possibility of love in a book called The Four Loves. And he says this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and luxuries and void all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable, Lewis says. Effectively, we have to keep trying. Because we're grapes, not marbles. It's what we were made for. It's what we were made from. Let's flip to the other half of the Bible at the, at the very end in the book of Hebrews. This is uh, pretty close to Revelation if you have your Bibles. Those of you who have phones, you have a real adva advantage over the rest of us. Luddites. Is that even a word? Luddites? Is that like you're old, you know, old school, something like that? Anyways, uh, I got a few people here to give me some feedback tonight. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. We, and we actually talked about this a couple weeks ago. We read this. Therefore the writer of Hebrews, who we have no idea who it is, by the way, says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, this is very dense, by the way, like deep theology. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, then let us draw near 
to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from our guilty conscience, our bodies washed with pure water, most definitely a reference to baptism, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Second observation I want to make here is, I would say it this way, because and by, right? Let's keep going with our definition of community. We've set the foundation. We're made from community and for it because this is who God is. Now we keep going in our definition. Because of and by our faith in Jesus, we enter and pursue authentic relationships where we are truly known and know one another. What does the writer of Hebrews said in this passage, right? very dense, very deep, uh, some of the most profound things that are said about Christian community in all of the New Testament. In verse, the first four verses we read, he lays out like the power and the place from which this community that he speaks of is made possible. Like what constitutes it? What makes it? What, what ratifies it? What creates it? Okay? And then what, by what means do we have access to it? So first, he's using this imagery that would be very familiar to a Jewish person of the first century about a high priest, right? Uh, who, who can go into the temple, the ho- most holy of places? Well, only the high priest on one day a year. But now he's saying we can enter it because of the blood of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross and in his resurrection, we a new living way has been made for us by his body. So because of Jesus, constituted by Jesus, initiated by Jesus, we now have access to this community of people in this body. But how? Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with full assurance that faith. Faith brings. Verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Another translation says that we confess We enter this community by faith in the work of Jesus. When we're talking about community at Awaken, we're inviting you into the practice of community as one of these formational targets. This is the kind of community that's qualitatively different than other communities in the world, I would argue. It's not the the kind of community like an aggregation of marbles, right? They look alike, they sound alike, maybe they dress alike, they listen to the same music, they eat the same foods, they go to the same concerts or whatever, Maybe they share some common attribute, but not a common bond, right? No, this congregation of grapes that are bound to one another is sustained by the common life source that is flowing in and through all of us, which is Christ, right? This is the kind of community the Bible speaks of. And it's profound. Now now look at what the, the author of Hebrews says about like how to actually do this, right? If, if we're made from community and for community and, and it's because of Jesus and by our faith that we enter into it, then what are some things that we might see as that happens? So if you look at the end of this passage in verses 24 and 25, he talks about knowing one another and being known by others. He says first, let us consider. Let us consider. The word that's used here is kataneo. And it means to perceive, remark, observe, understand, to consider attentively. Fix one's eyes or mind upon it. He says, let us consider one another. Like, think about what it means to consider somebody else. This is like a completely generous act. This is a self-deferential act. Sounds a little bit like the Trinity, doesn't it? Right? This is a, a, 
Uh, it's rooted in care and concern for the other. Christian community requires that we consider one another. But he goes on and he says to do what? Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The word that's used there is, uh, it's bizarre, hard to pronounce, paroxymus. It's like an inciting irritation. <laughs> like the writer has in mind uh, like a shepherd or somebody who works with animals who might have a staff or a stick. And on the end of that staff or stick is not a blunt object, but actually a sharp pointed object. So if the animal sort of gets off the path, the shepherd or farmer would come and gently nudge, point, you know, poke the animal, which, you know, isn't terribly comfortable, but to lead them back onto the path that has been set forth by the shepherd, right? To spur one another on. But not just for anything. He's saying spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's what you're encouraging. And then, and then it, finally he, he finishes with, encouraging one another. And the Greek there is parakaleo, which if you've been around the Bible or Greek at all, you might recognize that comes pretty close to a word called paraclete. This is when Jesus says that I'm leaving you and I will come back and I'm, I'm going to send you a helper, an advocate, a counselor, paraclete. It's the Holy Spirit. It means to call to one side. It means to admonish, exhort, console, encourage, strengthen by consolation to comfort. Let me see if we can wrap this up. The writer of Hebrews reminds the people that because of Christ and his work and by faith, we have access to this new community, this community of people, this congregation, this cluster of grapes called the church. And in that community, we are not marbles all doing our own thing. No, actually, what happens to you matters to me, and what happens to me should matter to you because we're connected. The same life force is flowing through me that's flowing through you. That is Christ. And because we were created from community and for community, we are made to know one another and to be truly known. And you can't do that without truly considering one another, giving deference and genuine care. And sometimes that means that we say the thing that needs to be said, right? We spur one another on to love and good deeds. Now, pause. A lot of Christians have taken it their, take their life's mission to be the spur in, right, in the community where they just tell the people the hard things. And that's not what the author has in mind here. Right, where people just tell people what to do. No, this is like out of deep, genuine love and care and concern for you. I've noticed that humbly I would submit to you that you appear to be going off the path. And so we spur one another on to love and good deeds, never without the encouraging work of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, right? That's what you're to do, that kind of work. I never sense that the Holy Spirit is judgmental and arrogant and, and dogmatic, right? Telling everybody what's wrong. No, no, that's not what the Spirit does. So we spur one another on to love and good deeds all the while, encouraging, with encouragement, parakaleo. You see, friends, we were made from community and for community. And when we experience Christian community, it's euphoric, it's beautiful, it's inspiring. Um, because it's what we were made for. When it goes bad... Man, it's hard to say yes to it again, isn't it? It's like, shame on, uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Like, I'm not buying again. But I would remind you of Lewis's quote about what our hearts are made for. And when we protect ourselves from our hearts and what they were made for, we become less human, not more human. And as hard as it is to sometimes say yes to the possibility of authentic community, in this case, Christian community, 
I would, which requires vulnerability and courage, maybe more than any of these other practices, because I actually need you for this to work, and you need me for this to work. And that's a sticky wicket, as my grandpa used to say, but it's what we're made for. We can't follow this Jesus path without it. So in light of God's relational essence and being created from it and for it, because of Jesus and by our faith in Jesus, we enter and pursue authentic relationships to be known and to know one another. This is what we mean when we say community. So let me offer a word of prayer and a brief moment of silence. We're gonna, um, we started this, this last week where there'll be just a, a 120 seconds, a little meditative track that we're gonna play during this time. So I'll pray, that'll play, and then we'll move to the table. So pray with me. God, this morning as we think about, um, as we consider and hopefully act on what you might be saying to us, uh, in this moment of silence and meditation, draw us near to your heart. Remind us of who we are, who you are, what you've made us from and for. And maybe even instill in us the courage it takes to step out in faith, um, to, to be vulnerable and courageous and offer ourselves in relationship, in community. And I pray that in that place, in this community, there would be a, a sense of um, true humanity, like this is what we're made for. So Holy Spirit, do your work. We want to invite you to uh, the table of communion. So if you have those elements at home, I invite you to grab them. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. And so whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after dinner, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood, which will be shed for you. And so whenever you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. So as you take the bread, I invite you to hear these words, the body of Christ broken for you. Eat and be fed. And as you take the cup, I invite you to hear these words, the blood of Christ shed for you. Drink and be filled, my friends. As we close, I want to invite you to a time of worship again, so let's sing together. Well, my friends, good to be together.
as we've just sung. Hope that this morning has been um, what you needed it to be. So go with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, amen. Grace and peace, friends. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.